Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Thank you. Oh, do you know what? I'm so excited tonight uh, to be sharing with you. Um, we're in the middle of a series called Attitude Adjustment. And over Lent, we are hoping to adjust our attitude to make it more aligned with Jesus. And um, the reason that we're doing that is because there's this beautiful part in the scripture, this, this, this letter that Paul wrote to people like you and people like me. And he said this, he said, in your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's like inviting us to become more like him. And then he goes on to explain what Jesus is like. And basically, he said that Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death, even to the point of dying on a cross, even though he was God. He humbled himself that much. And so when we gather like this, when we're worshiping God together, what is extraordinary is that we're, we're worshiping the, the creator of the heavens and earth, but we're also we're also worshipping the servant king, the one who humbled himself, the humbled king. And so, as his followers, what we want to do is we want to become more like him. And that's what this Attitude Adjustment series is all about. Tonight, we are thinking about one of the obstacles that gets in the way of us doing just that. The obstacle that we are talking about tonight is comparison. Anybody use the comparison websites? You know the ones. Come on, you can admit it. The comparison websites. What do people do before comparison websites? Where do people get car insurance? I just, I don't understand. The problem now is that there are so many comparison websites. I'm like, do I want the one with the free cuddly toy? Or do I want the one with the two-for-one cinema tickets? What we need is a comparison website for the comparison websites. Tom, if you could sort that out for me uh, in two weeks, that would be, that would be great. Today, we are not talking about comparing deals. Today, I am inviting you to adjust your comparison. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. And so we're going to do this by jumping into the scriptures. We're going to be looking at Luke 13, and you can look at it in your phones, your Bibles, but it'll come on the screen. And Luke 13 is... It's quite an obscure passage. It's, it's definitely not one of those go-to passages for preachers like me. But I think that through this tonight, God's going to speak to us about comparison. So Luke 13, starting at verse 1. There were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now, I'm going to pause there because I've probably lost you already. Let me give you some background to what on earth is going on there. 
Now, you might have heard of the guy Pontius Pilate. Famously, he was the guy that gave the go-ahead for the crucifixion of Jesus. So he played a very significant role in the most important event in human history. So therefore, he is quite well known. However, if he hadn't been involved in that, he would still have gone down in history. And he would have gone down in history as a rather unpleasant Roman governor. You see, what the Roman governors did at the time is they ruled through fear. And what they used to do was terrorize uh, the citizens to increase fear, and then it's like a way of getting them in line. And Pontius Pilate was definitely someone who was doing that. And so this little story that the, the people are bringing to Jesus' attention they're referring to a historical event that happened. And what happened was, there was a group of people from Galilee, and they'd made the pilgrimage over to Jerusalem, where the temple was. It would have been like a really special event for them. And they'd gone to the temple, and there they were worshipping. Now, they used to worship by giving sacrifices, by sacrificing animals. A little bit different to the acoustic guitar, but we're okay with that. We're okay with it. And they were sacrificing the animals as part of their worship. And then Pilate, Pontius Pilate, gave the go-ahead for people to go into the temple and kill the Galileans who were there as they were worshiping. And it says their blood mixed with the blood of the sacrifices. This is what they're bringing to the attention of Jesus. Now, just to kind of get us really thinking about that, that would be like if I said to you guys, right, Let's go. We're going to go to the train station. Let's do it now. We're going on a pilgrimage to St. Paul's Cathedral, and we're going to worship there. And then the group of us here, we went, and then when we were there, the mayor of London gave orders, and they killed us whilst we were there. So these people who were in the crowd with Jesus, they brought this event to Jesus' attention. And I know exactly how I would respond if somebody said this to me. I would say, oh my gosh, that is just awful. I can't believe this has happened. I'd be saying things like, I, I, I can't imagine the horror that they must be going through. I'd be saying, what about the families that have been left behind? I'd be saying things like, I've got this stirring of hatred towards the Romans. Like, how dare they? do that. And the truth is, over the last 25 days, we've probably had similar conversations about the unwarranted, horrendous attacks on the Ukrainian people. Now, that's how we would respond. And I'm sure that those are the emotions that Jesus felt probably more than even we would have felt. But listen to how he responds. And I find this fascinating. Verse 2. Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. 
What a fascinating response. Dare I say, I think it's a slightly odd response. But what's happening here is I think Jesus is seeing right into their hearts. He is seeing right into their hearts. And what he's seeing is the question behind what they've brought up. You see, they didn't have the guts, really, to ask Jesus the direct question. So they sort of floated this incident to him. And I think Jesus saw straight through to the heart of the question. You see, he knows exactly what they're thinking. You see, they are thinking, because bad things happen to them, they must have been bad people. And then Jesus carries on his response. We'll come back to that. Verse 4, Jesus carries on. He says, Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. So Jesus refers to a different historical event that happened. But this time, it wasn't a tragedy at the hands of the Romans or at the hands of like rulers, but it was the hands of an, of an accident where 18 people died when a tower fell on them. And he asks the same question. Do you think that it's any worse? And he says, unless you repent, you too will perish. So what on earth is going on? What is going on here? Well, I think he looks into their hearts and he sees that they are comparing themselves. They are comparing themselves. He sees them and he sees that they're thinking, well, because something that bad hasn't happened to me, I must be in some way better. Because something bad hasn't happened to, to me, I must kind of be okay. And Jesus says, no. Unless you repent, you too will perish. Now, that was a prominent belief in the culture, right? That, that bad things happen to bad people. It was like a, a common belief. And, um, and so what they used to do was look at other people's misfortunes as a way of justifying their existence. Look at other people's misfortunes and go, well, I'm, it's not that, I'm not that bad. And justify their lives. And Jesus is saying, you're in the same circumstances as the guys that got killed. And you're in the same circumstances as those who died as a result of the accident. You're in the same position because there is a gap between where you are and where God is. There's a gap. And he's saying, look at your own hearts. Look at your own hearts and it will be clear that you need to repent. It's like Jesus is saying, come on. Stop comparing yourselves to others. And he's speaking right into the culture. Isn't it just such a relief that we are so much more sophisticated now? 
Isn't it just so good that we have developed so much as a society, that we are, we are so much better than those guys 2,000 years ago? It's like we are completely fine. Those guys, they just didn't have a clue. See what I did there? A little bit of comparing. Don't know if you picked up on it. Comparison. It just is in our human nature. And we love to think that we're so much more sophisticated now. But you know, the truth is, when I, um, I go out uh, as part of the street team quite regularly into Preston, and um, one of the most common uh, answers that I get as we engage with people and we ask them for their perspective on life, one of the most common things I hear is karma. Karma is essentially, well, bad things will happen to bad people. Good things will happen to good people. What goes around comes around. It's still a, a kind of philosophy that we, we cling on to in our culture. But the truth is that this comparison problem that we have in the depths of our humanity, I feel like we've built industries on this. Just think for a moment about like celebrity culture. Yeah? Celebrity culture. You know, you know those magazines, right? When you're doing, doing the shop at the supermarket and those magazines are there and they've got the celebrities on there and they have the most beautiful two human beings you've ever seen and they are, they are, they've got together and they're getting married and they have the most beautiful dress that has ever been made and they decided that they would get married in a castle. And so you look at their life and you go, wow, their life is so amazing. Mine, oh, mine's pretty awful in comparison to that. But maybe I can live vicariously through like their life. But then four weeks later, you've, you're coming in the supermarket, you finish your big shop again, and you look over to the, to the right and you see, you see the magazine. And you know what? There's fantastic news because that beautiful couple, oh, it's gone disastrously wrong for them. One of them started taking cocaine. The other one, you won't believe it, she's put on three pounds. Three pounds. We've circled that in red so everybody knows. And we can now look at their life and we can say, oh, it's okay. My life's not that bad after all. It's okay. I'm doing all right because my life isn't that bad. Celebrity culture is built on this comparison. And the good news for our generation, people, is we have honed the skills. We now have beautiful, sophisticated algorithms that help us to know exactly what we're comparing ourselves to on social media so that those wonderful algorithms can help us just linger there for longer and keep feeding the comparison addiction. It is built on comparison. Now, you're probably doing it right now. You're probably thinking, Tim, I'm not that bad. I don't scroll that long. I, I don't buy those magazines. Who buys those magazines? You're doing it. Here's what I know about you. And little warning, I'm going to get all in your face a little bit. So you get ready. Here's what I know about you. If you are a student, you compare yourself to other students. Okay, and it goes a little bit like this. You've handed the essay in, you've handed it in, and you've got that two-week wait where the tutors mark it. I call it the two weeks of death. And um, <clears throat> you have to wait for two weeks. And then the email comes in, ping, and you see what you've got. And then because you're such a wonderful human being, you think, oh, 
I better just go and see how my friends are doing on the course, see how they're feeling about their result. And you go over and you're like, hey, how are you, how are you doing? Did, did, you get the, did you get the email? And you're fishing. That is what you're doing right now. You're fishing. All you need to know is that number. And you're going, so how did you, um, how did you do? How did you do, do, do all right? Fishing, that's what you're doing. And then eventually they say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with that. I, I got a 66. And then one of two things happens in your soul. Don't deny it. I know this happens. One of two things happens. One is you either go, yes, (laughs) because you know that you beat them and that makes you a wonderful human being, probably going to become a professor one day. Uh, I've got this pretty much nailed. Or this happens. Oh my gosh. I know for a fact, they just pulled an all-nighter to write in that essay. I spent 15 days on it. I am a failure as a human being. 15 days and I got a worse mark than them. That's it. I'm quitting uni. I'm phoning my mum. That's it. I'm going home. One of those two things happened. That's true. I know you do this. Students, we compare ourselves to students. Now, let me tell you about your parents. Because they're not getting away with it. And they're not even here to defend themselves. Let me tell you what your parents did when you were little. This is exactly what your parents did. They used to watch you and some other children playing over there. And then they'd see another person's child getting a bit rowdy. And then they'd say to themselves, oh my God, is he, he's starting to, he's straying into naughty right now. And then this is what they think to themselves. They think, oh, do you know what that child needs? That child just needs some like, loving boundaries in their life. And then they would really start to flourish as human beings and they'd be able to interact with other children. And I do that for my children, so it's okay. And then they'd feel loads better. Or this would happen. Another person's child would skip up to them like this. And they would have the most beautiful, wonderful, articulate conversation with this seven-year-old who also happens to be immaculately dressed. And they have this wonderful time together in this conversation. And then the conversation comes to a lovely natural conclusion. And the child skips off back to mummy and daddy and big sister who's also behaving brilliantly. And they would walk away and they would say, I want to die my child, that's, this is you by the way, my child is an absolute disgrace. All they do is answer me back. All they do is be rude to me. And they're always covered in beans because the only thing they eat is beans and beige food. I am a terrible parent. I am the worst parent. Just take me, take me Lord. I'm done. I'm done. This is what they would do. And here's what I know about you. If you're someone who wears clothes, that's all of us. Keep wearing clothes, by the way. This is a, it's a strong choice. Here's what I know about you if you're someone who wears clothes. You can pay yourself to other people who wear clothes. You either think to yourself, how do they manage to like so effortlessly look cool? I try so hard and I still look awful. Or you think to yourself, have you seen what she's wearing? Can you believe she's wearing that? We do it. We compare ourselves. And here's what I know about you if you are a vicar. You compare yourself to other vicars. You look at Instagram and you see all the amazing things that those other churches are doing and you think, why isn't my church doing that? Or you think, 
At least I haven't messed up like they did. At least I haven't got a scandal like they have. Friends, we all fall into this comparison trap. We all struggle with comparison. The comparison problem is alive and well, just like it was 2,000 years ago. Now, what, what happens when we compare is we use comparison to do one of two things, and this is what we really need to get our head around. When we compare, we are either doing it to make ourselves feel better or make ourselves feel worse. We're either thinking, oh, I can make myself feel better because I'm better than that, or make myself feel worse. And so the, the only destination is I either end up being more pride-filled or I end up feeling self-loathing. Whichever way you go with comparison, that's where it leads. And the point is this. Both of those two paths take us away from the likeness of Jesus. Both of those two paths take us away from pursuing the likeness that Jesus has for us. That is what we want to be striving for. So what is the solution? The solution is this. We need to adjust our comparison. I'd love to stand here and just be like, guys, just stop comparing. But the truth is, it's, it's just in us, isn't it? But if we adjust our comparison, it can lead to something amazing. So I want to suggest this. Don't compare yourselves to others, but instead, uh, compare yourself to God. Compare yourself to God. Because Scripture says that all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus, in this story, he, he told the people, I tell you no. He said, but unless you repent, you too will perish. And he's saying, stop comparing yourselves to others. Compare yourself to God and you will realize you have the need to repent. And as we compare ourselves to God, it becomes easy to say, I'm a flawed human being. It becomes easy to say, I'm sorry, I've messed things up. It becomes easy to say, I need a savior. It becomes easy to say, I need someone to rescue me. And as we do, as we compare ourselves to God, it leads us to a place of repentance, which means we can receive that wonderful gift for us that Jesus bought as he died on that cross. And it's the gift to say, yes, you can come and have life and in the fullness and in the freedom. If you compare yourself to God, it leads to a really healthy repentance. So that's one way that we can adjust our comparison. But I want to suggest another way that we can adjust our comparison. Instead of comparing ourselves to others, we can compare ourselves to who it is that God made us to be. 
So if you're anything like me, you compare yourselves to others. You think, oh, if only I was a bit more like so-and-so. Some of you might know uh, Jody, who's on the leadership development year here. And uh, after Christmas, we both came back and we, we both had these like running goals. We were like, oh yeah, we're going to do this. And, and I, I said, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then after about a month, she'd like completed my goal. <laughs> And she still had like miles to go on hers. Now, if I compare myself to Jody, I am screwed. (laughs) Absolutely. But if I compare myself to me, then I have jogged so many more miles than I used to jog. Does that make sense? So don't compare yourselves to others, but compare yourself to who God made you to be. And draw out the uniqueness and the beauty of who you are, not who you are not, not who somebody else is, but who you are. And that, my friends, is like an opportunity and an invitation from Jesus to grow, to grow into all that he has for you, to grow more into his likeness and be his follower. That's the second thing we can do with our comparison. And the third thing we can do with our comparison is a little bit different. It's specifically about the church. Because we're not immune from comparison in the church, friends. I hope you've picked that up by now. But we're not immune. And uh, what I want to say is uh, we need to adjust our comparison in the church to celebration. So instead of comparing ourselves to others, let's celebrate others. So if somebody's doing something amazing over there that I could never do, I can either just feel bad that I'm not that good, or I can celebrate. And the reason we want to celebrate that is because Scripture describes the church as the body of Christ. So when somebody over here is doing something fantastic, it's like my right hand doing something. And I might be over here as my little left toe, but I'm celebrating what the right hand is doing. Friends, I I believe that one of the worst things we can do in church is, is get sucked into that comparison. It's a way of like getting in the way of what it is that God is calling us to do. So adjust your comparison in the church to celebration instead, because we are one body. We have this uh, audacious vision here at the Minster, which is to play our part in the re-evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. But I want to bring your attention to the first four words of that vision, to play our part. And I believe in the church. We just need to focus on What is the part that I am being asked to play? And I'm going to celebrate the part that you are being asked to play and that you are being asked to play and that you are being asked to play. It's just our comparison to celebration. I'll come in to finish with this. Um, But this, this is something that I really wish I had grasped more when I was in my 20s. This is something which just, it gives so much freedom and so much life when you're more released from this comparison. 
And the truth is, I know, or I'm hoping, that in my, thir- in my 40s and in my 50s, I'll look back and I'll be saying, oh, I just wish that I'd grasped it more in my 30s. Because I know that there's more and more freedom the more that I, that I adjust my comparison. So tonight, I want to invite you to think, do you know what? I'm going to take hold of this truth and it's going to really help set me free. It's going to really help set me up on the journey. So let's stop comparing to other people. Let's instead adjust our comparison. Let's compare ourselves to God because it leads to repentance and it leads to salvation. And let's adjust our comparison and compare ourselves to who God has made us to be so that we can step into that beautiful growth journey to become more like the Tim that I was designed to be who follows Jesus with all of himself. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.